GU Nurses Connect is an initiative of core to ed This podcast is supported by an independent educational grant from AstraZeneca. The views in this podcast are the personal opinions of the experts. They do not necessarily represent the views of the experts' academic institution or the rest of the GU Connect group. For expert disclosures on any conflict of interest, please visit the core to ed website. Hello and welcome to the second postcard in the series covering PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer. Today, uh, we are going to be discussing the potential of PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer, what nurses need to know. I am Pablo Peinado, and I'm a research nurse coordinator at the GU unit uh, in Virgen de la Victoria Hospital, Malaga, south of Spain, and I'm, in, and I'm a member of the GU Nurses Connect. I am delighted to be joined today by my colleague, uh, Dr. Elena Castro, who is a medical oncologist also working at the Hospital Universitario Virgen de la Victoria in Malaga, south of Spain as well. Thanks for joining me today, Elena. Thank you, Pablo. Um, it's my pleasure. So, Elena, uh, we've been both work uh, with PARP inhibitors for some time, initially through involvement in the clinical trials. Perhaps uh, you could provide us a, bar- a brief overview of PARP inhibitors and how they work. What uh, PARP inhibitors do is to inhibit the function of PARP. PARP is a family of proteins, the most frequent one are PARP1 and PARP2, that are involved in repairing the damaged DNA. The cells have different mechanisms to repair DNA damage, and when these inhibitors prevent PARP from doing um, its work, in most cells there will be other mechanisms that can overcome the functions of PARP. But in those cells that have damage in other DNA repair mechanisms, as is the case of cells with alterations in BRC1 or BRCA2, the cell will not be able to repair the damage and will accumulate uh, a number of alterations and the cell finally will die. So it is important that in prostate cancer, about 20% of uh, tumors have alterations in these pathways, particularly in the homologous recombination pathway. The tumors that have alterations in, in this homologous recombination pathway are the tumors that are more sensitive to treatment with these uh, PARP inhibitors. Thank you, Lena. That was really interesting. Over the past couple of years, uh, we've seen two PARP inhibitors uh, receive regulatory approval, uh, which are Olaparib and Rucaparib. What can you tell us about the trials for these two treatments, Triton 2 and Profam, which led to, to these approvals? Yes, as you mentioned, for um, Rucaparib is a is the Triton two trials is a phase two trial that has already been reported. For Olaparib, we already know the uh, data from phase two trials, but also from uh, the phase three trial profound. So I will start with uh, Triton two. That is a phase two trial of rucaparib in patients with metastatic castration resistant prostate cancer whose disease have already progressed 
to treatment with an androgen receptor targeting inhibitor, such as abiraterone or enzalutamide, and also to um, vaccine-based chemotherapy. So these patients were screened for alterations in BRC1, BRC2, and in other genes involved in DNA damage repair, which are um, frequently named DDR genes. And patients who have um, these alterations and have previously received the therapies I mentioned were allowed in the trial and they received treatment with rucaparib, 600 milligrams twice a day. So the primary endpoint of this study was objective response rate, so radiographic response rate. And the secondary endpoints were the duration of this radiographic response, the uh, PSA response rate, the time to PSA progression, and radiographic progression-free survival and overall survival. So what was observed in this trial was that for patients with alterations in BRC1 and BRC2, about 40% of them achieve a radiographic response and 50% of them achieve a PSA response. And I think this is very relevant because we must remember that these patients have already received at least two lines of therapy for their disease. So I think this is uh, very remarkable. For patients with alterations in other DDR genes, such as ATM or CHECK2, the radiographic response rate and PSA response rate were significantly lower, around 10%. So this suggests that the patients with alterations in BRC1 and BRC2 are the ones that benefit the most from PARP inhibitors. Thanks, Elena, for a great overview of the Triton 2 study. Uh, perhaps you could uh, tell us now um, something uh, about the profound study and how the two studies differ. The profound study has been the first randomized phase three biomarker-driven trial in prostate cancer. I know we have several other biomarker-driven trials in other disease, but in prostate cancer, this has been the first one. So patients with alterations in at least one of the 15 uh, genes involved in uh, homologous recombination that were tested in this study, if they were positive, they have one of these alterations, patients were eligible for the trial. And patients were divided into two groups. In court A, were included those patients with alterations in BRC1, BRC2, or ATM, because these patients were the ones that were expected to respond better to olaparib. And court B included patients with alterations in the other 12 genes that were tested. So all patients to be included in the study had 
previously received treatment with an androgen receptor targeting therapy, aviratron, ensalutamide, and taxane treatment was not mandatory. Previous treatment with um, taxane-based chemotherapy was not mandatory, but it's still about 70% of patients in the trial had already received uh, chemotherapy as well. So patients within each cohort, cohort A and cohort B, were randomized to receive either Olaparib, 300 milligrams twice a day, or a second uh, hormonal therapy, usually the one that they have not received before. And the primary endpoint of the profound study was radiographic progression-free survival in court A. I mean in patients with alterations in BRC1, BRC2, and ATM. And the secondary endpoints included radiographic progression-free survival in both courts together, A and B, and overall survival in court A. So um, the most important results that uh, have been reported is that the median overall survival in court A for patients who receive Olaparib was 19 versus 15 months for those patients who receive a second hormone therapy. So the difference was statistically significant and the risk of death was reduced by 30% in those patients treated with Olaparib. So crossover from um, the control arm to Olaparib was allowed at the time of radiographic progression. And in a sensitivity analysis that took into consideration this crossover, Olaparib showed a 60% decrease in the death risk in those patients with uh, alterations in, in BRC1, BRC2, and ATM altogether. So this has been the first phase three trial with a PARP inhibitor in prostate cancer reported so far. And this led to the approval of, of Olaparib to treat these patients. Okay, uh, thank you, Elena, for this information about the two studies, Triton 2 and Profound Study. Now, uh, we would like to, to know a bit more about what the safety profiles uh, from these trials are. The safety was very similar in both trials and similar uh, toxicities were observed. The most frequent side effect with PARP inhibitors is asthenia, fatigue, and also anemia. So other frequent side effects are nausea, a decreased appetite, thrombopenia. So most of the patients in the trials experimented uh, some toxicity, but in most cases it was uh, grade one or two, um, did not require treatment discontinuation. So anemia and thrombopenia were the main causes of treatment interruption. About 40% of patients required a dose reduction at some point, mostly because of anemia. So anemia was um, easily managed 
with treatment, um, temporary interruption, supported uh, therapy, and then the treatment was reintroduced with uh, dose reduction. So overall, the treatments are quite well tolerated. So Elena, based on the data that you've just shared with us, uh, how do you select which PARP inhibitor to give to the patient? And where do PARP inhibitors fit into the treatment sequence for advanced prostate cancer patients? At present, we don't have um, data to select one PARP inhibitor over another based on efficacy or toxicity. And in most cases, we will select one over another based on availability. So it is interesting how the regulators have interpreted the data differently in the European Union and the States, for instance. So Rucaparib at present is not approved in Europe yet. It is approved in the States for patients with alterations in BRC1 and BRC2 only who have uh, already received treatment with an androgen receptor targeting therapy and vaccines. Olaparib has been approved in both the States and Europe. In Europe, the regulators uh, have understood that the patients that benefit the most are those with alterations in BRC1 and BRC2, and at present, is only approved for patients with alterations in, in those genes who have already received treatment with androgen receptor targeting inhibitor. In the States, the regulators have approved Olaparib for patients with alterations in 14 homologous recombination repair genes, provided that the patient has already received treatment with an hormone agent. We've talked about the trials for the two approved PARP inhibitors. And, and Pablo, as you were involved in these trials, I would love to hear what were the main questions or concern that you heard from the patients. Well, Elena, uh, first of all, uh, we should consider that those patients have already received a couple of lines of treatment, which makes them really aware about their disease, the therapies, or their current situation. The difference now uh, is that they've been diagnosed with a DNA repair alteration, and this opens a new stage in their disease. Uh, this new diagnosis implies the possibility of receiving a PARP innovator, which is the best treatment for them and they are really looking forward to it. But in another hand, once the discussion about the implications of this diagnosis continue, uh, the patients usually express uh, their concerns about the consequences for their relatives. Uh, will they have the same alteration? Will it affect their health? Can they pass it into their children? Those are really important questions that we should be ready to answer. At the same time, that we can refer them to the genetic counseling clinic uh, where they can give them a lot of more information about that. Their prognosis is one of the most, the other of the most important concerns that they have. Uh, they know the prognosis is not good and they want to start their treatment as soon as possible. So we should really encourage them to focus on the process and go step by step in their treatment, trying to make sure they understand everything uh, while we go along. Thank you, Pablo. I think it's very, very interesting what you just said. 
What do you think are the main points for the NARS to communicate to their uh, prostate cancer patients regarding treatment with uh, PARP inhibitors? Well, as we see in our daily clinic, the patients uh, usually have a closer relationship with us as nurses than they do with the doctors. That happened because we spend a lot of time speaking with them while we perform other procedures, such as blood tests, uh, give them appointments, etc. And this allows us uh, to build a closer relationship with them. And we should use this confidence to help them during this new stage of their disease. Our advanced prostate cancer patients are usually more than 60, 70 years old. Some of them not highly educated. So we can imagine how difficult it is for them to understand a DNA repair alteration diagnosis. We have to use a simple vocabulary all the time, checking at every step that they have understand everything, because probably they will have to explain it again to their relatives once they go home. So it is really important to, to use an inclusive vocabulary and allow them to ask any question about it during the process. As we've seen in the data that you've just presented for both the studies, there is a considerable risk of suffering an adverse event such as anemia, fatigue, nausea. So we can identify some of these adverse events with a blood test or some other procedures. But there are others such as fatigue, nausea or lack of appetite that are not so easy to diagnose. The communication with our patient is crucial. We have to make sure they are able to identify those adverse events as soon as possible so they can inform us and we can treat them to prevent them getting worse. At the end, we should accomplish some objectives with these patients. We have to make sure that our patient leaves the clinic with a clear vision of their new DNA repair alteration diagnosis. At the same time, they should understand the treatment, how they have to take their medication and how does it work. And we have to make sure they are able to identify the possible adverse events so we can prevent them happening. We've talked in depth about the key trials, but now we focus our discussion so far on the two approved uh, PARP innovators. But are there other PARP innovators in development that we should be aware of? Yes, other PARP inhibitors that have proven to be effective in other tumor types are also being tested in prostate cancer. That is the case of niraparib and talasoparib. Phase two trials with this drug have uh, already been reported. That is uh, Galahad for niraparib and talapro-1 for talasoparib. And in these two trials, patients with similar characteristics to those included in the Triton 2 trial that we just discussed, were enrolled. And what is being observed is that the radiographic response rates in all these phase two trials were very similar with the different agents. So the patients that benefit the most are those with alterations in BRC1 and BRCA2, and the objective response rates have been over 40% with the, the different PARP inhibitors with similar uh, PSA responses around uh, 50%. So what we've learned for, from all these trials with PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer is that the patients that benefit the most from these therapies 
are those with alterations in BRC1 and BRC2, even when they may be heavily pretreated, that we have another group of frequent alterations as such as those in ATM and CDK12 that don't seem to sensitize patients to response to PARP inhibitor or at least not in monotherapy. And finally, we have some other alterations that are less frequent and in consequence, the number of patients included in the trials is small to get um, strong evidence for the benefit of PARP inhibitors in these patients. And we may have to wait to pull together the results of different trials and results from real-world studies in order to get enough number of patients with these rare alterations to understand whether these patients benefit or not from these therapies. So then there are a number of ongoing trials looking at PARP innovators in prostate cancer in combination with other treatments. Perhaps uh, you could comment how you think this combination might benefit patients? What is being done is to combine PARP inhibitors with androgen receptor targeting uh, inhibitors, for instance, in salutamide or aviraturon, because there is a crosstalk between the androgen receptor and the DNA repair mechanism. So what is being tested is whether uh, the combination of these two drugs could result in a benefit for patients without DNA repair defects, meaning that a larger number of patients could benefit from these combinations compared to those that benefit from PARP inhibitors in monotherapy. So these drugs are also being tested in combination with immunotherapy, in combination with radium-223, in combination with lutetium. So just trying to benefit a larger number of patients by uh, taking advantage of uh, potential synergies. But we need to wait to, to get the results of all these trials. It's also important that some of these uh, PARP inhibitors may not seek approval in monotherapy, but the companies may try to get them approved in combination with other therapies already available for uh, patients with advanced prostate cancer. Well, thank you, Elena, for this great discussion. Uh, what are your take uh, home messages for our listeners then? Uh, well, I think we have a new class of drugs to treat our patients with advanced disease. And these drugs are safe and their side effects are easily managed in the clinic, and these drugs are well tolerated. These drugs work in patients with certain uh, DDR alterations, and in order to identify uh, those patients that may benefit from these therapies, we need to test their tumors 
that could be done in different ways. We can test the tumor. We may need to repeat a biopsy. We can test uh, circulating DNA. We, we, we need to make sure that our patients understand what we need to do and we need to explain them and to be aware that this is something that could be difficult to understand for them. But, uh, well, this is why we are here for, and I'm sure these are exciting times for prostate cancer, and precision oncology has uh, arrived to prostate cancer with uh, PARP inhibitors. Thanks again, Elena, and thanks to our listeners that we encourage you to tune into the other two podcasts in this series of PARP inhibitors in prostate cancer. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by CoreToEd Independent Medical Education. Please visit coretoed.com for more information.